Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Chrissy Teigen, Chrissy Teigen. I mean, Chrissy, definitely Chrissy. not my. <laughs> definitely not my. Alyssa, manager. Alyssa, who represents <laughs> you? I was like, yeah, my manager is also Chrissy Teigen's <laughs> manager. <laughs> I'd be like, um, interesting. Why is her podcast not more? Yeah, why is Alyssa? Why are we recording it in a bedroom in Ridgewood? You fucking bitch. Am I the? Uh, hey, Reddit. Am I the asshole? <laughs> Mistakes. Ow. Well, this is our uh, this is best mistakes. This is our eighteenth episode. <laughs> this is our hundredth episode of best mistakes. Yeah, this is episode one hundred. This is a third season. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, let's. We're doing like American Horror Story season. Yeah, it's just really one. After. We're doing serial seasons. Yeah, there's a different. We have a different topic each. They do have a lot season. of seasons. Serial. Yeah. And it's, you know, about one thing. Cereals? And people, the, the theme of this podcast is you guys got to figure out what that thing is <laughs> because it, it has not been clear. It's fully different things each episode, but figure it out. It's a choose your own um, adventure. It's like making a salad at Sweet Green. <laughs> Precisely. I change it up every time I go. R.I.P. Sweet Green. Did you I read that article? That What? That, the, your life just flashed before your <laughs> what eyes. What the fuck is happening to Sweet Green? No, 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 nothing. But there's like an article that's like the death of the $15 salad. Like the pandemic has killed the $15 salad. Girl, that's not salad. true. I, I, whenever I'm in Manhattan, which is every two weeks for my doctor's appointments, I go to Sweet Green and people are in there yeah but getting their sweet I, I don't I, <laughs> I don't think that they mean the actual death but it was like such a thing that now because oh. not people like not as many people are going to work yeah I'll pay $15 for a salad until the day I die great do it I love a $15 salad I eat it in Madison um Madison Square Park that's my that is the place to eat a $15 salad it's so if nice. ever there was a place to enjoy your $15 it's very salad me. yeah I love it oof Joan I watched her documentary recently and I take back every like bitchy, uninformed opinion I have had of her since college, which is that she's like this elitist, rich, problematic white lady, which mm. is like not she's a fucking genius and she's weird as shit, mm. has dealt with a lot of trauma. I just didn't realize how like neurotic she is. I thought she was like this like lily white, like very smoking like smoking a cigarette yeah and smoking a cigarette the words spill out on the typewriter yeah but yeah. she's actually like extremely neurotic and everything she writes about is like very intentional and like for a very specific reason mm. which makes more sense because it's all pretty similar but i did order two of her books after watching the documentary i hope they get it on time my hot take actually <laughs> is about are, packages okay great and do small we wanna, fucking businesses do we want to dive in mistakes keepsakes and hot takes yeah, my hot take is fuck this Twitter discourse I've been seeing, which is like every, the all the cool girls are now tweeting about, oh, you know, if your packages aren't in, getting in on time. All right, here was a tweet. 
Support small businesses. Small businesses are going through a lot this year. If the Christmas gift that you ordered from a small business does not arrive in time, wrap up the gift receipt in a box and give it to the person who the gift was for and assure them that the gift will be in soon. Like, don't yell at the small business, which, like, suck my dick. (laughs) I'm still, like... Get the gift out on time. And if you can't, I get that. But like, I'm not, ra- I'm not, I'm already supporting the small business. I'm not going to do more work for you. It's a business. Yeah. Like do your job. Just be honest about when the package is going to yeah, arrive. Yeah. I have a lot That's of more my, my I have a lot of friends like, who sell vintage who will tell me it's not going to be in on exactly. time. But don't fucking tell me to go and wrap up. Yeah. Radical softness has gone too far. And then people were, you know, in the thread were getting, oh, if you are mad because you have packages in and on time, uh, the UPS is going through a lot. Like that simply is not. <laughs> yeah, that was my dad. My dad is a Twitter. Um, you know, I hate to sound like that's a, how he feels. I hate to sound like a real topic. liberal, but it just really. I, you know, I'm tired of having to suck everyone's dick and then roll over and let them fuck me too. Like, I'm just... <laughs> to me, that's the best part of sucking someone's dick. <laughs> I'm not a penetration. I'm not a penetration girl. I like penetration about once a year on a special occasion. To me, the only thing that's like worthwhile Fisher's about sucking dick is that you get to roll over and get fucked afterwards. <laughs> See, if I could just suck the dick and then never have it enter any of my holes except my mouth hole, that'd be ideal. Well, then, you know, that's, I think, the core of this difference of opinion. It's just just whether you like being penetrated or not. Everyone needs to stop telling me to be fucking nice to people because we're in a pandemic. (laughs) I don't give a fuck. I've been on this small business trend for six years. Everything I get is from Etsy, except Levi. Levi's the one big, big brand I shop from. But everything I get is from Etsy. It's all small businesses. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, I just, I don't feel as strongly as you do, but I do agree with you. <laughs> it's really, really been making me fucking angry. It's really making me mad. Um, I've been waiting all week to talk about this on the pod. I, I, I think that I feel, um, <laughs> If you are telling me that the package is going to get here by a certain date, whether it's Christmas or not, you know, like regardless if if because if, you don't know, I might be getting it for someone's birthday. Like, just tell me when the package is going to arrive. That's yeah. all I ask. And if it's late, I do reserve the right to be annoyed. I'm probably <laughs> not going to take it out on. Yeah, anybody. I mean, I'm not going to call the small business and be like, you fucking caught it, but I'll tweet I'm, about it. <laughs> I'm not going to tag them, but yeah. I'll, you know, I can butt my bitchy tweet up if I want. Sure. Let people be mean again. That's All right. How so I now feel. even it out. What was your mistake this week? Oh, um, <laughs> fuck. fuck. What was my mistake this week? Um, or your keepsake. If you want to start pause. Oh, I can't. Mm, all right. What was my keepsake? Um, I know I'm literally drawing a blank on what this entire it's week has been a really like. uneventful week. I've just like slept a lot. Oh, well, I guess my, I guess my uh, mistake. Well, the keepsake of the week is that the, we released the pod. Yeah. That was, was exciting. Very well received. I'm excited um, about what some of you have said. Thank you so much for your kind words. Leave a review. Yeah. Thank you. Please leave a review. <laughs> I guess my mistake would be that I, which I mean, I can't really control how I felt about the podcast being released is that I just felt like extremely deflated when it came out. I like was not. It was a weird feeling. Mm -hmm. It was like my brain just I've been in this thing where now that I'm like a person who does things instead of like dreaming about doing things, the more shit I do, 
the more my brain is like, you are not doing enough. Yeah. Yep. Really <laughs> do a new project. So it's like. Get used to that feeling. Yeah. I really hate it. Yeah. Like, you know, I did this. I wrote my screenplay for my pilot. Have not been able to work on a second draft. The pod came out. I was like forcing my excitement. Oh. Which was. Yeah. It's like weird. I felt this way once when I did a comedy show two years ago in Rhode Island. And like it was a really good show. And I was so depressed that night. And like didn't. I was so just didn't feel anything. So it's clear my brain is just in a a fog. Yeah. I think. It's all I'm just like it's hard for me to be excited about things that have to do with me as well. Mm. I yeah, got, I got that. It's, it's just weird. So I guess that would be my mistake. It's like not um not reaping the benefits of what we have sown. Yeah. I mean, but also it's like truly it came out this week. Yeah. So I think it's like I definitely relate to that feeling of like kind of working on something and like psyching yourself up about what the thing could be. You and I are both ideas people big mm, time mm-hmm. and, and execution. I think we're both getting better at, but I think part of the, the problem with execution for fire and air signs <laughs> is that it's not as exciting because it's, it's slower than the, yeah. like thinking of stuff is like, bam, 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 well, bam. You, can, you know, so you can escape you when can, you're thinking of things. when you're like imagining things. Yeah. yeah. And then like actually doing them and then whatever. I hate this. And I don't want to be an artist. anymore. <laughs> I hate it. I don't. The more, uh, yeah, the more I get, uh, involved as an actual creative person, the more I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I do. This is just um, bullshit. I fully, <laughs> fully agree with that. Every time I'm like given an opportunity that I, in theory, would be excited about, but now I have it, I'm always like, what the fuck do I do with this? Yeah. This isn't exciting now that it's like just a thing that's is this happening. How, like, is this how like actors feel? Like, do you think like, is there like, are, do actors feel this way when they? finally get like an academy award do they feel deflated i think i mean isn't that what taylor swift's documentary was all about i was really (laughs) high when i watched it i don't remember no um, i mean i don't know i don't know how other people feel amy adams if you ever win um any kind of award that's not a spirit award no i I mean she deserves to win every Uh award but she's not gonna i don't know who she pissed off in the industry (laughs) they hate her if you win something for hillbilly elegy Please um, let Anya and I know if you felt deflated after you finally won it. I mean, that's how how things feel, I think. I feel like anytime I've I've heard artists talk about, like, you have the joy is in making the thing. Mm. It's not in finishing the thing. I do have one more hot take. Lay it on me. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman Mm. was not what I was expecting. And I'm, like, really disappointed by it. Oh, no. Um. Which I'm also like dumb. I didn't realize it was based off of an August Wilson play. So it's like very much a, a play. Mm-hmm. Like watch the movie itself. It all takes place in like one building, mm-hmm. which is very movie turned into a play. Um, but all the press for the movie, including Viola Davis, was that like it's about Ma Rainey, who is this like radical queer woman who like would go to an orgy on a Saturday and be in church on a Sunday and it's all about her. It's about her and her career and all the shit she faced. And it's like more of it has to do with Chadwick Boseman's character, who is this like very he's like um, he's he he's like a trumpeter or whatever. He plays the trumpet 
for this band. A trumpeter? <laughs> is that what? A trumpeter. Um, and his whole arc is that he wants, he like wants to be more of an artist than just like playing a band. And it's like, he also has this whole arc about like what dealing with racism, where he was from and just like all these different kind of like traumas building up throughout the movie, which was beautifully done. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. But then Viola Davis as Ma Rainey. It's like, she has her girlfriend who's very clearly her girlfriend in the movie, but that's like about all that there is about her being queer and it's like, it has nothing. There's no backstory. It's an hour and 32 minutes of them in a recording studio. Ooh. Yeah. It's weird. It's a good movie, but it's, it's just not, not what you were expecting. No, I thought were... it was going to be like the life story. Mm. I don't know if anyone listening has seen the Bessie Smith movie, which she was a black jazz singer, blues singer around the same time. She like, I think she came up before Ma Rainey did. Um, I think who was in it? I'm pretty sure it was Queen Latifah. She did like an HBO movie. It was really good, but it was like the life of Bessie Smith. Right. And that's what you wanted. That's what I wanted. That's what you were signing up for. Yeah. It it just felt, um, but I mean, everyone loved it because it has 99% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, good for I'm going to have to watch it a second time now that I know it's a play. Yeah. And then appreciate it for that. Yeah. I just really, I kept being like, where is Viola Davis? I haven't watched it yet, but now you've, um, you've adjusted my expectations. So thank you. She can do no I, wrong. I didn't like, I also wouldn't have been expecting that. Yeah. But, I'm really turned on by a heavy set queer Viola Davis. I just want her to pull the strap out. <laughs> oh my God. She, with like her, uh, like gold tooth in the movie or no, she's wearing grills. I think she's yeah. so hot in that movie. Viola Davis loves to queer bait us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm done being queer baited. I'm rewatching the Vampire Diaries right now. <laughs> That's my how I'm famously coping with <laughs> with um, the weight of existence. And I've seen the Vampire Diaries several times in my life, but not for a while. And some it it came out before like queer stories were like you know a required element of a teen show mm-hmm. like now it would be like what the fuck are you doing vampire diaries there's not one gay vampire mm. what's wrong with you mm. and i think there actually eventually are i don't remember but you know it's not like a part of the story really that people are gay yeah but i do it was it came out like during peak tumblr times mm-hmm. so people were shipping people together a lot um, yeah, I remember and these like, days. And really making Never non-gay watched. characters gay in their hearts I'm and so minds. Tired of that. Me too, but agenda. but I'm. It's weird. It's transporting me back back to that. Well, I'm not tired of the gay agenda. I am. I mean, I'm. I'm just tired. Again. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just tired of us having to um, imagine it rather than it just be written. Which now it is more often written into things. But yeah. yeah anyway, I've been rewatching the Vampire Diaries. My hot take is that. Um, this is a ice cold take because the Vampire Diaries is old as fuck now. But my hot take is that uh, Damon and Alaric in that show are gay together, and um, it's not just Tumblr gays like shipping mm, them. Okay, like I'm like no, I think yeah, they yeah, legit yeah. like that's was subtext written. Like I think the writers that's intended hot. for that to be like a little bit what you're thinking. That's a hot take. I <laughs> thought your hot take was going to be that Sarah Cooper was on an episode. Oh my God. Bleep that out. <laughs> Sarah Cooper is in the Vampire Diaries, and that was um, a shock to me. And I immediately sent you a video where yeah. I was like, "Wow, 2020." Show really- that to everyone who says she's a grifter. <laughs> she's Send- been in the game for years. How old is she? I don't know. 
What, well, it doesn't I, matter. It does matter. I'm just curious because she's been around. But in my brain, I only know her as like the kind of annoying Trump girl who then everyone got <laughs> mad about because she got a Netflix comedy special. I didn't realize until you told me that she's been like, she has like books and yeah, has yeah, been yeah. Like she's in, working she's since in she was like seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Shirley Temple <laughs> of the comedy in New York comedy community. And she has like one walk on role in um, The Vampire Diaries where she gets decapitated. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> God, Anya. <laughs> spoiler alert for her unnamed character that the second you see her, you're like, this bitch is about to get murdered. Oh, poor Sarah Cooper. Just because that's the the how the show works, you know? I want Sarah Cooper to do a video of her lip singing, lip syncing this video, (laughs) this episode. Oh my God. Actually, that would be so funny. Um, so yeah, that's my hot take, but yeah, my mistake this week. Um, what was it? I don't know. What was my mistake this week? This is a safe space. I mean, my, my sleep schedule is fucked right now, but Mm. if, if I count that as a mistake, I'm going to say that like every three episodes. So I can't, can't say that but I am like truly staying up till 6 a.m and sleeping till 2 p.m which during the summer is like fine but um are you okay I just peed my pants a little bit (laughs) (laughs) I was like what just came out of my body okay well same reaction I had the first time it came (laughs) was did I just pee my pants (laughs) what just happened well are you good yeah, I'm fine. Okay, you know? great. It can happen. Sometimes our bodies just uh, betray us. Yep. And that ain't that the truth. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is that, that my body other. is currently betraying me by being like, <laughs> your sleep schedule is now you getting an hour of sunlight every day. Mm, yeah. It sucks. Um, I fucking hate it. I'm yeah. right there with you. Yeah. It's been bad. But I guess, yeah, my mistake is... Um, just that right now because mm. this week has been kind of a wash but don't let me say that i fucked up my sleep schedule as a mistake ever again because otherwise that's all i'll ever say constantly mm-hmm. um and my keepsake is uh that we released this podcast and some people from different corners of my life really came out of the woodwork in a way i was not expecting and at first it was like heart attack central where i was like did i say something rude oh about my you? god seriously <laughs> i like have wanted to kill myself since we released the pod, I'm like, oh, who did I talk shit? I can't even listen to it because I this is a good exercise, I guess, to not be such a fucking gossip. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that you've said anything bad. No, honestly. I haven't. But but I did. Yeah. Some people some people were like, love the podcast. And I was like, uh oh, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, like what my friend is that you telling me that you listened and you heard the thing yeah. that I said and you're mad at me. Um, the first review I got of the podcast was love the podcast. Was that me that you were talking about at the seven minute and 42 second mark? I sent them a long apology and they were like, no, it was funny. I was like, oh, great. I literally ignored your text for six hours and took a nap. But yeah. So my keepsake is just the people that I've got back in touch with, Aww. which has been nice. And then just that people have enjoyed it. We it's, have people in Germany listening. We I, got people I saw in an anchor. Yeah, we got people in some random ass countries listening. Oh, you think Germany is random? <laughs> Okay. I actually think that the German listener might be someone that I know. Okay, because I have friends in Germany too. Cool. So, so then my friend Sophie, who I've not spoken to in five years, <laughs> but we follow each other on Instagram. Great. Maybe it was. Uh, maybe it was. Because, our, maybe, I'm not trying to compete with you right now. <laughs> maybe it was. Uh, I, maybe we should go to Germany and hang out with our friends. My together. God, let's go to Germany. <laughs> I want to go to Berlin so bad. Our documentary to find. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start a documentary Florida. where we travel around the world and find all of our listeners. It's an eighty-six-year-old woman whose radio is fucked up, and this is the she's only like, station she can get is our podcast. She's like hitting it. She's she like, she decides what is she this? loves it. Oh, that's a good Netflix movie. That's a good A twenty-four movie. Greta Gerwig, if you're listening, get <laughs> Sir Sharonin in the film. I want Timmy Chalamet playing me. Sir Sharonin can play you, Anya. Oh, thank you. Um, and Bob Onderdonk can play Elisa. <laughs> Onderdonk? I don't know. Otternock? What is it? <laughs> no, it's Odin. It's Odin Kirk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Onderdonk is a street in Ridgewood. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's like a few blocks away. No, I just thought he was from Ridgewood. Huh? <laughs> Bob, Bob Onderdonk. That's another one of my keepsakes. Oh, I can't help it. These, you know, Wait, that's Northern another one Europeans. of my keepsakes. My, my Bob Odenkirk tweet went a little bit viral, and that was fun. It did. Yeah. I'm my other hot take. <laughs> We're done. We're done with the hot take. <laughs> when takes. am I going viral again? And when am I? All these trans people are suddenly getting 10K followers overnight, and I want to know what I have to do to do that. I what mean, trauma porn? <laughs> my my uh, anniversary is tomorrow, so I'll. Great. Go viral. You got this. I know. I just, I'm, I did that years ago. I used to get trans kids in like Missoula, Montana, sending me fan art. All right. We'll tap back into that. No, I hated it. It was, it's too much. I don't actually want that. I'm good at, I like where I am. I have, you know, 3000 plus. I don't really have a platform, <laughs> but I can pretend like I do. Uh-huh. I don't know how real, like Rachel Senate, how do you do it? Uh, all of these people who have like tw- 10 or more, 20 or more. 100 or more. I get mad K. at my reply guys. I block no, I people know. indiscriminately. I'm, I'm very grateful in a lot of ways that I have the exact platform that I have because I like to just treat Twitter like a place for me to just talk talk and i can't keep up with the like i get mad when people if when certain people like reply to my like someone last night was like oh my god is it the tegan and it was about my npr fresh air tegan and sarah that's the queerest thing about me is that my favorite npr fresh air episode is where terry gross i would say gross gross what an unfortunate last name (laughs) um interviews tegan and sarah and somebody just asked a question and was like, oh my God, that came out like four years ago, right? And I just replied, no. Oh, I get just red hot mad at every reply. I mean, it's like every reply when it's not somebody that I personally know. And then even sometimes then I'm like, what the, get get out of my replies. And it'll be like, (laughs) it'll be like, you know, I have enough followers that it's, I don't personally know all of them. So that's like an insane expectation for me to have. But uh, whenever somebody like just has like a little joke that isn't that funny, but I could just ignore it. I like pretty much every time respond with something bitchy. And I don't like that about myself. No, I said recently, I feel I, uh, Twitter to me is like, you know, children of a woman who then drowns them. Like I, (laughs) all of my followers often are children that I want to drown in my bathroom. (laughs) I like, I just... But I remember when I had 300 followers and it wasn't a good feeling. I felt irrelevant. And I, okay, I will say there are a lot of followers that I do really genuinely enjoy. I I want to put uh, put it on record, though, that like there are plenty that it's nothing but a good, good time. Um, But often it's people that aren't following me, but my tweet got on their page because someone retweeted me or something. And then they're just like, they have some stupid question that I'm like, get quote tweeted my OnlyFans tweet yesterday and said, damn, how much brown is this hoe shooting? I don't shooting up, which is heroin. I think I 
don't. <laughs> this is just like eight million people are const. People are on their hands and knees begging me to have a heroin and a meth problem. I don't. <laughs> this happened when like Stormfront wrote an article about me years ago. They kept saying I looked like um, she looks like a girl with a urch. It looks like a girl with a meth problem who would ask for a cigarette in a 7-Eleven parking lot, <laughs> which like I definitely would. But I have never tried meth. I refuse to do heroin. Uh, it's, I'm just skinny. It's, it's, you're, it's a compliment. You look like Fiona Apple. They're just mad because I am tiny. Sorry about it's it. Dark circles, that's all. It's because my eyes are set back, but I'm getting facial surgery and then they <laughs> won't look like that. That's okay. what the surgeon told me. So. Great. They're going to push me to have it. I'm going to turn into fucking Janis Joplin. <laughs> Start doing this. Is, our podcast is going to get huge. I, we're both going to get famous and then I'm going to die within a year. And fucking put out my own cover of me and my Bobby McGee. Wait, is that you promising that this podcast is going to blow up before you're 27? I hope. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll die. That'd be sick. Pat, I want Patty Smith to sing at my funeral. Hell fucking yeah. Sing People Have the Power. People have the power. Oh, I have one thing to clarify. When I was re-listening to the Ashley Simpson episode, um, because I'm sick and I have to re-listen to everything I put into the world just to make sure that I'm not a total fucking piece of shit idiot. And I was <laughs> because I said that she was on SNL in, in July, which is not even possible. SNL only airs September through May. That's Everyone knows that. <laughs> sad that you know that. I mean, comedy. Of course I know that. But yeah, I thought we all stopped watching SNL. But I don't I, I don't that. watch it at all, really. I mean, I also, that plenty of people still watch it. I don't I think there's anything wrong with watching it. Well, I do. Cancel. But I... I'm just saying, um, I also, it was October. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that. I, I f- know that it was not July. July is when the album came out. That I made a few promoting. little mistakes on episodes where I told stories that aren't like lies. I ju- they're just like. N- I think it's one thing to sprinkle in details that enhance the story, but I'm just saying I straight up got the date like yeah. objectively wrong. And anyone that knows anything about SNL uh, would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? All right. Well, what's the fuck up of the week? Oh, well, I mean, very obviously the stimulus is the fuck up of the week. Yeah. Um, And also just like Nancy Pelosi still being alive is the fuck up of the week <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Nancy Pelosi sends us a cease and desist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say like that is I am usually lately this year. I'm like, I've been tuned out of politics for mental health but that yeah, is the first thing that. that's the first thing that brought me back in in a long time where i was like i want to kill him yep i agree yeah i just also thought of something when you said that so you oh, okay. do your thing uh, another um like uh, f- wait what were we- <laughs> my brain just short <laughs> another thing that um really pissed me off this week was um Trace Lissette, who I really love, she's a trans actress who is on Transparent. She's super cool, but she's like older and sometimes her takes are a little bit stale. <laughs> was tweeting and Instagramming and Twittering, um, Facebooking again about it's uh, the men who like trans women are not gay, which really just like started a whole discourse war for me that I, it just like pissed, it was like another kind of attempt in like pop culture to really get it out there that the men who are fucking trans women are totally 110% straight. Yeah. Um, which as a trans woman, I think is like not really my path to liberation is not cis people 
validating the men who desire me as being fully straight because <laughs> right. I think that's so problematic. I it's agree, like totally. no, there are like gay men who love and desire tra- like there are so many men of different sexualities who want to fuck trans women mm-hmm. and when we get caught up on the idea of them needing to be seen as straight. There's like this weird idea from older straight trans women like Trace Lissette and I I understand it but I think it needs to change that like if if we as a society start validating straight men as being straight for fucking trans women, then like trans women will stop being murdered. And it's like, uh, I don't really see that happening. Right. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't think the trans women of color who like are continuing to get murdered, aren't going to be murdered anymore. If straight men (laughs) proclaim that they're straight and also love trans women. Hmm. The essence of what she's saying that I think is correct is that being attracted to trans women doesn't mean you're gay. Totally. But like that is where that statement ends. Yeah. It's like I'm just (laughs) because it was one of those posts where it was like said like four, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. under four times underneath each other, like a fucking like light in a club. Like like a thank you bag. You know, thank you for shopping with us. (laughs) Like those stupid info. You know, it's just I don't I don't know. I'm like, I I don't know. That is something that I cared a lot about, like year one to three of being out as a trans woman. But like tomorrow, it'll be five years. And I just I've been living this life for half a decade. (laughs) I have like bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Also, I'm just like, you know, I don't I no longer give a fuck about like straight men validating me because I'm usually looking for a gay guy who wants to fuck me. So, yeah. And it just doesn't matter. That's your prerogative. But yeah, that that is Britney um, Spears invented the word prerogative for us to use in this exact sentence. Love your new haircut, Britney. Yeah, it looks great. Um, My final uh, fuck up of the week that I think is the Instagram new terms of service, obviously, Mm -hmm, that are um, oppressing many people, specifically sex workers and educators, specifically trans women of color and bigger bodied people. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, fuck that. But it's also it's affecting everybody. If you're listening to this and you're like, great, uh, Anya just mentioned a bunch of people that are not me. Um, the new Instagram terms of service are are still going to seep into your life. And um, yeah. it's the beginning of the fucking end, you guys. Yep. We are being controlled and monitored. And I sound like a libertarian when I say shit like this. <laughs> but it's true. Um, and the, just because they're coming for sex workers and queer people first doesn't mean you shouldn't care. <laughs> What's that like quote? First they first came, they came for, yeah. for yeah. The, the first they came for the sex workers on <laughs> but Instagram, I did and I did not. I was not a sex worker. But hey, if you're a hot girl in comedy um, <laughs> who uses your bikini pics to promote your shows, you're next, baby. You're next. Bitch. You're on the you're on the chopping block. Yeah, I deleted like a bunch of or like archived a bunch of my videos and shit. Yeah. Um, okay. This episode, we're talking about the, um, tragic death of your guy. What's his name Oh, again? uh, Rodolfo Guglielmi. <laughs> um, Rudolf Valentino was the name he took, but what I just said is his Italian name. Um, <laughs> Rodolfo. Um, yes, we're talking about the life, the career, but most importantly, the death of Rudolf Valentino, the, um, what many would call first sex symbol in Hollywood. 
Yeah, so freaking get into it, everyone. Get into it. And leave us a review Please. on iTunes. I love we love when you message us, but also leave us a review. Yeah, if you want to message us, just go ahead and copy and paste it's it into the review right section. into the iTunes review section. Um, we got one review and it reminded me that those are important. So yeah. it was a very nice review, but I would like to Otherwise more of we'll them. turn this car around. And if you have anything not nice to say, go ahead and not leave a review. Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so I'm going to start off with an email that was submitted to us. Listener mistakes. The The subject line is worst experience with a bi man. Um, let me see. Doesn't they didn't give us a name or they did. They did. Oh, okay. Gris. So this is coming from Gris. Hello. No, Gree. Gree, sorry. Hello. <laughs> they said, hello, Nika and Anya. I'm, how do I say, Men, Menopip on Instagram. It's at M-E-N-E-M-O-N-I-P. Don't know how to pronounce that. I believe I have had some online encounters with Nika on Instagram. You have, we follow each other. And Twitter, but maybe you don't remember me. I also might have changed my username since, which is totally fine. <laughs> you can refer to me as Gree, pronounced like French, so S is silent on your podcast. Anyway, this is my story of me going home with a man I met at a house party going very wrong, but still safe. And the whole heterosexual experience somehow... Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> made, both of us, made both of us more by. Trigger warning, slight disrespect of consent. We gotta we gotta riddle these episodes with some trigger warnings in post. So I made out with this guy at the house party. I had made out with him before at a previous house party with mutual friends. So I knew his friends and therefore knew there was a smaller chance of him being a serial killer. The cop showed up to shut down the party at 2 a.m. So he suggested that we go to his place, which was a walkable distance from that house party. I said, yes. He said that my red teddy coat was nice. I said, thanks. I didn't know how drunk he was. I thought he was very drunk at the time. But looking back, I think he was just a whimsical person or a soft boy. He suddenly said that he was bisexual. I think we might have been talking about where we went to high school before this. And he said that we went to a Catholic one. So maybe that's how this is relevant. So anyway, he said, I'm bi, but sort of mumbled it. And I kind of heard it, but I asked, sorry, what did you say? Not not accusatorily, but really just because I couldn't hear him clearly. And he instantly repressed himself and said, never mind, and continued walking to his house. I think he might have thought I was a biphobic straight girl. When joke's on him, I'm actually pansexual. I didn't want to push him about it, so I didn't ask him again. We go to his place and he grabs a glass of water for himself in the kitchen and says rhetorically, or to me, Wow, I feel depressed. And I don't really know what to say except, right now, why? 
And he just answers, I don't know. I suddenly feel depressed. And I'm stunned. We enter his room and there's a gigantic David Bowie poster on the wall. You have a gray eye for detail. (laughs) I see prescription pill bottles of, I'm assuming, antidepressants on his desk and an acoustic guitar on his desk chair. This is when I nod to myself and think, so he is bi. (laughs) (laughs) I ask him more about his music taste and he says Mitski, Kali Ulchis, Mm -hmm, and so on. mm -hmm. (laughs) I tell him the jacket that's hanging in his room is cute and he tells me that it is thrifted. This is the second time when I nod to myself and think, ah, he is bi. (laughs) We make out and he keeps asking for my consent. Annoyingly. Of course I love consent and I think it's very important, but it was so repetitive. Like, can I kiss you? Can I kiss your neck? Can I lift your Can I lift your shirt? Can I touch your tits? Like, God damn it. Stop asking and just do it. It comes to a point where we are both topless and he does not ask for my consent about whether he can put his hand in my vulva. I didn't appreciate that, especially when this made his previous nagging consent asking very performative and ingenuine. So I told him I didn't want to have sex with him and left. He was a bit taken aback, but said goodbye to me as I grabbed my Uber. So that is the story of a pretty bad hookup. God, it's worse when straight man performing being gentle when they're actually also assholes. I wouldn't say this was a knowing mistake that I made because there weren't any warning signs at the party about him and more of an honest mistake. But I will say that trying to hook up with him again months later, but but I will say that trying to hook up with him again months later because I was lonely was. Thank you for your time reading this. Love, Gree. I think I want to hear more about the follow-up hookup. That's the mistake, you know? Yeah, that is the mistake. But I also love that um, they brought up like the nagging over performativeness of consent. Mm-hmm. I really hate that. And I've, I often fuck soft boys cause that's what I attract. And I <laughs> can't stand when a guy like there's nothing, I'm sorry, f- people who are, might think that this is anti-feminist of me to say, not sorry, actually, there's nothing that's more of a turnoff to me than when a guy in the heat of the moment asks if he can kiss me. I'm like, just kiss me. Like, I'm here. Just grab my face and kiss me. I really like being asked. And Mm. herein lies the dilemma because I think they're hearing um, they're hearing both sides from people. And I think they like some people really like being asked. Some people hate it. And I think you're safer to fuck up with the people who don't like being asked yeah. than the people who do like being asked. Yeah. Because the people who do like being asked might be able to then accuse you of assaulting them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I think that's why people are being annoying about it now. I agree that it, it can get to a point of... Yeah, I'm like, just do it until I say no. <laughs> you know? And if I tell you that I don't like something, then please don't do it. Sure. But like, just yeah, like I test the, the waters. I think the onus of communication is on both parties. So I do agree that like... You like we also got to tell people to stop or to not do something we don't like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, consent is a complicated thing that we as a culture are um, figuring out together because um, I think for too long. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just for too long. People who um, have been misled to think that not asking for consent means confidence are like just kind of grabbing and kissing people and yeah. grabbing people's tits and vulvas and stuff. You know, like there I think the the pendulum is naturally swinging too far in the other direction now where people are 
over asking, but I will agree that they are over asking that totally. And it's, it's always performative soft boys that do it. Yes. And it does feel very performative and it feels very covering bases. Yeah. feels like it's like if something goes poorly, like clearly this hookup did not go well. And now, you know, if something goes sideways, you can be like, well, I asked for like, you know, they can truthfully say that they asked for your consent for pretty much everything else, you know? Yeah. And in this case, it was all up until the the thing that um, our list, like the, the person who wrote the email would have preferred that be the thing was yeah. asked. Also, Gree, are you, if when you're listening, please let us know. Are you in New York? Because I am constantly looking for bisexual men. I feel like they are <laughs> mythical creatures in this city. And I am just yearning for not this bisexual man, but just a oh, I bisexual love, man. I love a bisexual man. Oh, they're so hot. I definitely, I had a, an ongoing, um, my, my like quarantine fuck buddy was a bisexual. I used to hate them. I used to be like, no, I, I thought you meant the person that I know. No, I was no. like, you do know this person. No, I, like them. No, I used to hate <laughs> bisexual men. Cause after I transitioned, cause I was like, no, like you can't fuck me. If you're bisexual, you have to choose Mr. Man. Oh like, yeah. If yeah, you yeah. are bisexual and you're fucking me, it means cause you think I'm a boy. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I don't feel that way anymore. Cause I'm grown. They are better in bed in general. So much better. in bed. But this guy here's okay. This is my takeaway from this story. Mm. And, and why this was like there were a few red flags that you definitely did not need to interpret as as red flags in the moment but in retrospect were red flags he's clearly not comfortable with his sexuality mm-hmm. because he didn't just like i mean according to at least this version of the story mm-hmm. um and and i agree with um the writer's interpretation of what happened yeah but it could it could just be that he was like no never mind doesn't matter but it sounds like he was like oh nothing (laughs) i didn't say i'm not i'm straight you know also he hadn't come to terms with it himself and that in it in and of itself um does not bode well usually i do want to say too i'm really proud of you for leaving that hookup i have i don't think i've ever once I have never once left a hookup and I've had many where I've gotten there and I've been like, oh, I, don't I know like I it. always just do it. Yeah, I fuck my way through it. Me too. And then I go home and I'm like, I hated that. I know. I like I really it's like to me, it's like the easiest way out is through. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so good on you. Yeah, seriously. We're, we're both learning from your your bravery and your, um, you know, you you had your limits. You set a boundary. Yeah. Um. Wow. That really I mean. I. Uh, I do. I want to hear more about the following hookup and how it went because you say that you you do reference a second uh, yeah, encounter with this I person. I would that. love to hear more. But thank you for sharing this mistake. I do think, um, it, yeah, it's more of a bad hookup than a mistake. I think if anything, you did the right thing. The mistake would have been to go through with it after feeling icky about it, which is what Nika and I would have done. Yeah. So you actually, I think, um, no mistakes were made, but. Yeah shitty situation i'm sorry you went through it and now um all of us together can promise that when somebody starts kind of projecting insecurity we get the fuck out of there because mm-hmm. you know what they need right then is a friend they don't You've need a friend. <laughs> they do not need somebody to then have a uncomfortable sexual interaction with because everyone everyone who has something unresolved like that is gonna suck in bed in some way Definitely. Whether it's consent related, whether it's like, you know, 
kink related. Not that any kink is inherently bad, but badly communicating kinks is bad. And that happens a lot with people mm-hmm. who have their own unresolved shit, stuff like that. Anyway, good lesson. Do you, um, do you want to take us away and set the tone? I would love to set the tone. Deep dive. Deep dive. That listener email made me want to kind of pivot into like times where I've done what we were saying, where it's like I just fucked my way through a bad situation. (laughs) But I need to prepare one more thoroughly than to just launch into a that reminds me of kind of story. So just know that I will eventually share some tales about times where somebody was just waving red flags about how bad the sex was going to be. And then I just still had sex with them. them. Um, And all of those times that that has happened. But in the meantime, today, my deep dive into my own personal um, arsenal of mistakes. I'm going to talk about the time I totaled my car when I was 18. Mm -hmm. Um, I got this car um, about a year before that, I named her Eleanor Calder after Eleanor Calder, the woman who dated Louis Tomlinson in One Direction, <laughs> um, because uh, I, I, there was like a bitchy reason. I was like, because she's fabulous, but not the one I want or whatever, <laughs> like something like that, because I didn't like their relationship, but I thought Eleanor was cool. So I kind of related that to the fact that I got a car that I didn't really want, but I did want a car. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So her name was Eleanor. Served me very well for about a year. One day, I'm driving to Boston um, to go see Pete Holmes live, (laughs) Uh, which was my first mistake, everybody. This is back in the heyday of his podcast, You Made It Weird. I was a big fan. Um, He was my favorite comedian. So I was going to drive from Burlington, Vermont to Boston, Massachusetts to see him um, during his annual show at... um, some palace theater. I think it's, I forget what it's called, but it, it's every Thanksgiving weekend he has a show there. So I drove Eleanor out there and it was on this particular car ride that I realized um, how fun it was to shave time off of my ETA um, on Google Maps by speeding. I never really like experimented with speeding before <laughs> that because I was driving through New Hampshire and New Hampshire has a much more flexible speed laws. So I was like, because they're the live free or die place. <laughs> and uh, that day I chose die, but I did not <laughs> actually die, thankfully, um, because I was trying to live free. <laughs> it was live free and die that day. <laughs> but um, I was speeding like crazy. Um Oh God, it was so bad. And I was like whipping around these like new, like winding New England uh, turns, you know, like mm. I'm such a careful driver now that I like think it, like I get flashbacks of the way I was driving that day. And it's like, it, they really do feel like PTSD flashbacks where I'm just like, I was a different person making those decisions, but I was driving really fast. I wasn't fully texting and driving, but I was checking my phone and driving. Like I was reading other people's texts. Um, I not and like I just was getting more and more casual. Like it was like that drive, I was realizing how easy it was to drive, which is so funny considering this ended in me totaling my car and almost dying. <laughs> but I was like, damn, this shit's easy. I can speed, I can check my phone. I like ate a sandwich, like oh all this. God, I know it was because yeah. <laughs> I in my head I was like gaining confidence in myself as a driver. Um, and then I was like 
change. I was listening to 1989 Taylor Swift album. Oh. Um, absolutely blasting it. Um, which is so funny because that album references car accidents throughout it like crazy. <laughs> um, like, uh, I think I was even listening to the song where she's like, remember when you hit the brakes too soon, <laughs> 20 stitches in the hospital room. Like that line was playing while I was like swerving. So anyway, I hit the, um, what's that thing called where it like is the bumps that wake you up? A speed bumps. No, no, no. Oh. The, the, like the next to the, on the edge of the highway, there's like that, the, the rumble strip. Oh, okay. yes. The rumble strip. Um, I hit it while I'm changing songs and it scares me so much because I'm going like 80 miles an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought I hit something. Um, and so I like swerve really hard mm-hmm. off of the rumble strip. And I didn't know anything about overcorrecting back then. Mm-hmm. So my car truly spins out of control, like is spinning now <sighs> down the highway. Oh, I know. No. I know. Oh my god. There's cars in front of me and cars behind me, but luckily there were no cars next to me. Oh, thank god. I know. Or like I would have died, that person would have died. What's crazy also, I just want to not to defend myself because I do think I was making bad decisions, like making bad choices fully. But I was keeping up with traffic. Like it wasn't like I was like zooming past yeah. all these people. Like everyone was going like 90 miles an hour because in New Hampshire people speed like crazy because of just how flexible they are with speed limits there. And so I was like definitely passing people. There were people who were making better choices than I was that day, but like a lot of people were also passing me. So I also kind of felt like I was like, I was like joining the, like I was like graduating from like <laughs> slow poke to like person who can confidently drive fast. So it's just like crazy looking back that, um, people just drive this way so often, but those people wouldn't have overcorrected probably. That's where I uh, went wrong. So yeah, I overcorrected, spun way out of control. Um, Taylor Swift is still blasting while my life like goes into slow motion. And I, um, you know, like I'm spinning, I'm currently spinning and I know that impact is coming Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's going to kill me or not. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm just like, well, We'll see. <laughs> it was so fucking cra- It was terrible. Um, and then I hit the um, guardrail on the passenger side. So I'm fine. Um, nobody's in the car with me. None of the cars around me are impacted at all. Like people slow down and stop to see what happened. But pretty much everyone just keeps driving by. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cop who came, it was like he was a brand new cop. He was a state trooper who was like freshly 22 years old and did not even think to check my phone to see if I was texting. He didn't check if I had been drinking. He literally just like wrote up the accident report and drove me Um, Or he didn't even drive me. I was in his car for a little while, which is why I misremembered that he drove me somewhere. But he uh, he just was like, "Okay, bye. And so I didn't get in any trouble for what could have been like I didn't. Like I said, I was not texting actively, but you could see that I had been using my phone if you like checked my phone. Um, And I didn't I wasn't drinking. I I just like there are things that he could have checked for that um, he didn't, which I found lucky for me. Um, and, uh, the tow truck driver, the EMTs came and I was like, no, I'm fine. I don't need to go to the hospital. So I had to sign a thing saying that I didn't need to go to the hospital. And then the tow truck driver drove me to a bus stop 
And I went to Boston and saw Pete Holmes that night. You still went to Boston. <laughs> oh, my God. Because my family was there. So they were like, the plan was for me to meet my family oh, there. Okay. And then they would drive me back. Well, I was going to drive myself back, yeah. but they were able to drive me back. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, we like went and found my car at the fucking junkyard afterwards. And the, the tow truck driver was like, um, I don't know. I was being a little bit of a brat. I was like so bummed that my car was totaled because I just put like $600 worth of repairs into this car. Mm-hmm. And I just like filled the tank. Like literally, like I was like being such a little like, oh, I can't believe it's totaled. And like he was like, um... I'll trade you the car for the tow truck fees was basically. And I was like, seriously? Like, you know, like I like wanted money out of it. And he was like, listen, this car did what it was supposed to do. It kept you alive. And then he pointed at all the other cars in his in his junkyard. And he was like, all these other cars I I towed in the last week, those people were not as lucky. And I was like, you can have it. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, you can have it. Bye. It was like such a weird, like, come to Jesus moment. Um, And I've had like severe car accident PTSD ever since. It never goes away. Never goes away. But I'm a much better driver now. So I am kind of grateful for the experience, but it like fucked me up. Um, I will have car accident dreams for the rest of my life. So yeah, that's me setting the tone. How about you dive into your mistake from history? Best mistake. Well, that really relates, honestly, in a multitude of ways to my mistake from history. Um, The unchecked recklessness, the desire to live life in the fast lane. Literally. Literally. And then also um, our story that we shared from our guest story um, that was emailed, rather, sorry, Mm -hmm. um, also fits in in the consent issues. So let's get to it. Wow. My story this week is about um, Rudolph Valentino, who was a silent film star from 1916 until his untimely death at the age of 31 in 1926. Um, People in our generation would know him a little bit if they had watched the Murder House season of American Horror Story. I guess there's like a subplot in there where Rudolf Valentino and his wife Natasha Rambova are turned into vampires and then (laughs) murdered because he falls in love with Lady Gaga. I never watched it. Um, I did not become obsessed with him because of that. I became obsessed with him uh, during my coke days um, because I'm obsessed with the silent film era. Anyway, he was huge. He was... I guess I would compare him to the effect that he had on pop culture and on his fan base, particularly young girls, the way that like Elvis and the Beatles did. Wow. Like people were obsessed with him and people either wanted to fuck him or they wanted to be him or they hated him. He just like, he really brought up like a vitriol um, in American like celebrity culture, which in 1916, even in 1920 was like very new. Mm -hmm. Like the silent film stars to me were like true pioneers because they all had to experience what being in like a magazine is for the first time in history. Mm -hmm. Um, so backstory about him. He, he like really lived life in the fast lane. He was a playboy from Southern Italy. 
He moved to New York in 1914. He was a dancer. He, people think that he was probably a sex worker. Um, rumors of him being queer followed him throughout his entire life and career. There may be some truth there. Um, Ramon Navarro, who was also a silent film star, said later in life he was openly gay, that he and Rudolph Valentino had had an affair, but everyone else said it wasn't true. Um, it also could have been he was effeminate, Southern Italian, like everything that like the Clark Gable in America was not. Hmm. Um, so this like really followed him through his career. And he, you know, was acting for over a decade, but it took until like 1922, 1923 for his career to really take off. So it was very short lived. And as like the North Star of his career was rising, finally, his personal life was just plummeting. And like typical tourist man, like really wanted to be a celebrity and like have his life as an artist, but also like really just wanted to give it all up and like have you know, the Madonna whore who was like his mommy and also his wife and also the mother of his children. Um, so leading up to his death, his wife, Natasha Rambova, they had a very tumultuous marriage. She left him and was like, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. She left him and he spent that summer. He died in August, 1926. He spent that summer releasing new movies and, just like going off the wall partying, um, constantly drinking, constantly doing drugs, constantly fucking random women, and just was like coming undone at the seams. And like everyone in his inner circle saw it happening and knew it was happening. But like they all said, you just you didn't stop Rudy. Like he was the life of the party and you just went with it. So the night or really the morning of his death, he was out at a party at a hotel in Manhattan, was doing a bunch of drugs, was drinking a lot. He ended up, he had been having stomach pains all week, like really monstrous stomach pains. And he had always suffered from like a little bit of gout and like some, some health issues. Touch of gout. A touch of gout because of the way he ate, because of the way that he partied. Mm. So he was like, it's not a big deal. And his friends were like, you are literally white. Like, you look like a ghost. You look like shit. We're taking you to the hospital. So they take him to the hospital in Lower Manhattan. He gets checked in. And he's, like, writhing in pain. So they've never... The doctors have never seen anything like this. They don't know what's going on. Um, he ends up falling into a coma oh my God. for a few hours. How old is he? At this time, he's 31. Okay. So he falls into a coma for a few hours. While he's under the doctors in the room are trying to figure out what to do because they know that this is probably life-threatening and they basically didn't want to operate on him unless they had the best surgeon. And this is what his brother said years later in a PBS documentary. This is his brother, um, Alberto. This is his story. Alberto says that he was told that the doctors were waiting for a surgeon to come and he had been taken in on a Saturday or a Sunday. So they were waiting for the surgeon to come in on like a Monday. They wanted the best surgeon there because they had the world's arguably the world's biggest celebrity in their hospital with like people outside waiting because Photoplay had published about it. And if they fucked it up, like it was on them and they didn't want to. 
So they lose critical hours. So he ends up coming to and he wakes up. And by the time the surgeon comes in the morning, the doctors are like, he's going to die. There's like, no, he has a fever. He develops sepsis. He's going to die. There's no way out of it. Let's just make him comfortable. But back then, surgeons and doctors, the whole like medical field, if they had a young patient who like, you know, was like under the age of 40 that was likely going to die, they wouldn't tell them because they thought it was like the compassionate thing to do. Oh, my God. Which is so fucked up and like not consensual. Yeah. (laughs) So Rudolph Valentino is like up. He's feeling chipper the way you kind of do before you die when like (laughs) you think you have like a second wind coming. You know, he's feeling like I'm sick, but I'm fine. He's reportedly speaking to his doctor about, you know, when do you think I'll be out of here? I can't wait to get out of here and start working on this new movie. And the doctor is like, not going to happen. So he (laughs) slips back into a coma. Oh, my God. And he dies. And his death sets off such a fury around the world with his fan base. Like, literally the day of his funeral... A hundred thousand people march in the streets of Lower Manhattan and camp outside of Campbell's funeral home to see him laying, laying in service. The NYPD are called out on horseback to tame the crowds because people are rioting. They're breaking store windows. They're screaming. Girls are screaming in the streets, ripping open their dresses, like setting their coats on fire, like literally... And, like, there are photos of this. Like, it's bonkers. And two, three people killed themselves that day. One of them was a guy in Paris who was found with his wrist cut, clutching a photo of Rudolph Valentino. Two girls killed themselves that day in New York. One apparently jumped off of a roof. I don't know how the other one killed herself. All with, like, photos of him surrounding them. So... It, it's like literally pantomonium. Yeah. I, I'm not, I continue. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm just um, processing. <laughs> and so it just, it, I mean, basically, and I love, I love this because his death was so preventable and it was both like his own mistake of not taking his mortality seriously and almost like having a death wish. Like, he would get into really, really heinous car crashes mm. leading up to his death. Um, Natasha Rombova was in the car with him a few times and would get really angry. Like, everybody could sense, they say in retrospect, that, like, he kind of wanted to die. Um, whether it was conscious or not, obviously, mm. we'll never know that. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of the mistake of, like, medical professionals who his life was entrusted with. Now, medical professionals have come out, like, came out, obviously, in the 20s, and were like, you know, that didn't, that's not what happened. Like, we tried to prevent it, and we couldn't. His brother says that this is the story. No one knows which is which. Obviously, it's he said, she said. Um, But he did die alone with just... Um, a doctor in the room, like no one was permitted in. They had security stationed out. Like it was really, they were trying to conceal this thing. And I think it's also interesting that like in life, even though he was a celebrity, he was constantly trying to escape celebrity so that he could find artistry. Mm. And in his death, all he did was cement his celebrity, like legendaric legacy of being this like heartthrob Latin lover, 
girls were obsessed with him. Like, it's just inescapable. And he's thus become a legend. Every year on his death in um, in L.A., where he's buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery, there's um, a woman who dresses in black and brings a rose to his grave and his fans go because it was reported that after he died at his funeral, there was a woman in black who had a rose. And who was it? Was it Natasha Rambova who didn't show up? Was it Gene Acker, his first wife? Like, was it one of his many lovers? Um, So he's just become, he was like mythologized in life and he's been mythologized in death. Uh-huh. Um, And he just lived his life in a completely reckless manner which i highly identify with <laughs> that ultimately led, ultimately led to his very famous and untimely death at the age of 31 years old and so do you think mistake wise that this is the mistake of his doctors or the mistake of him well i think it's both right but i yeah. mean like how can you blame someone for their own death um easily easily but you know there were so I, I read a lot about this in his biography. I actually, I want to pull up a photo of it so I don't um, misname the title and the Arthur, the Arthur, the author, <laughs> the Arthur. Arthur the Aardvark wrote the Arthur this. Arthur the Aardvark wrote this. <laughs> um, let's see, where, where are you? It's called Dark Lover, The Life and Death of Rudolph Valentino. It's by Emily Wardis Leiter. Um, I would read it if you are interested. It's a gorgeous, very long biography, but it reads quickly. I read it at the beginning of quarantine and it was very moving, but she speaks about, you know, the week leading up to his death and how much of it like was preventable Yeah, if he had just like gone to a fucking doctor. Right. But he like was just, he was like a young man. He like, you know, you're invincible. Right. Um, so I think it was both mistakes. I think it was the mistake of if it is true, if Alberto Valentino is not lying and it is true that the doctors made this huge fuck up and waited an entire like day and a half to perform a surgery on him for something that today you would not die from. Wait, it, so what did he die of? He died. It's called uh, parentontis. It's when the lining in your stomach becomes inflamed. And then if you don't uh, get it operated on, it gets worse and worse. And then basically your stomach walls will burst and it will just cause a rush of sepsis to enter your bloodstream. Ugh. So he just died of like an infection because yeah. his intestines were inflamed. And they um, like needed the best doctor to do that, even though they're just a fully functioning hospital and yes. someone just could have done that. But they were like, well, if we do like, what if his family sues us? You know, he's a celebrity. We need the best of the best. So they just like lost critical hours. Uh, yeah, so I think right. it's, but you know, it's the, the mistake of them and also his own mistake and like living his life in such a truly reckless way. Like I wonder, you know, I wonder all the time, like would he have transitioned into talkies? Like he was a year away from the first sound film being made. Yeah. Would he have transitioned and had like an amazing career in talkies Would like, we, you know, would like cinema have remembered him in different ways rather than like this tragic life with this short-lived career, almost like the Selena effect mm. of like this really young, beautiful person that people loved who was famous at the height of their career just having it cut short right. so quickly. Yeah. So. Moral of the story. You know, it, it really does. It, 
if anything, it's like a cautionary tale on why we need to have doctors have like the best education and like the best preparation so that there is no such thing as like the best doctor to wait for. Yeah. <laughs> they can all just do it. Um, and I know, you know, I'm sure I could find some way to circle around to this being an argument for Medicare for all, but I can't figure it out right in this moment. Luckily, things have vastly changed yeah. in many ways since 1926. Yeah. Um, and we are not still dealing with something as ridiculous as that as a doctor not wanting to make the call. Right. And hey, if your tummy, if your tummy, if your tummy hoits, <laughs> go to the fucking doctor. Get it checked out. Party, but also go to the doctor. Party, I, <laughs> party, but go to the doctor. I also think that like there's <laughs> another mistake in here in terms of how like the media has always treated celebrities. Yeah, and, for like, sure. The way that like was the media in part responsible for his death in 1926? Like maybe. I mean, it feels very like Britney Spears having a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, he he would be followed all the time. Like he he kind of was like the first experiment, I think, in American celebrity culture and how much can the paparazzi in this country get away with torturing a celebrity? Yeah. Um, And also like the same people who were tearing him down. Journalists were like lifting him up so beautifully when he died. Yeah. I mean, that's always what happens. Yeah. We love to do that. We love to crucify someone to a cross in this country. It's so funny. Like speaking of Britney Spears, it's like the whole world is like rooting for her now. And it's like, everyone's like free Britney. And I'm like, bitch, you are the same tabloids. Like even if you're even like the New York Times was like complicit in what got her here in the first place. And like, you know, all these like really reputable sources all have their their free Britney article now. And it's just like, where were you in 2007? Well, and that was like similar with Rua Valentino. I mean, he was dragged through the mud by the media for being, you know, it was so prejudiced. Obviously, he was this like Southern Italian American guy. He did not look like the archetype of what an American celebrity was. He like was constantly typecast in roles of being like the brown character Mm. Um, and the media was like relentless in their attacks of him, both for being like the dirty foreigner and being like the secret, like gay guy. And it like ruined him psychologically. And I think that definitely, I think that would lead to anyone who is like in their twenties, especially at the time and a celebrity, like living a life of like reckless indulgence. Yeah. Cause like, it's both he's all he's being like victimized and villainized, but he's also be going completely unchecked. Yeah. You know, like he's like so famous that like um, while it's like horrible how the media was treating him, it was also the the very thing that probably made it so he like never heard the word no because yep. they're like printing his name and everyone knows who he is, you know. Yeah. So um, it's easier to get away with absolutely digging your own grave um (laughs) when everyone's afraid to take the shovel out of your hands and when everyone wants to fuck you so (laughs) hot so hot i love throughout valentino i hope that he visits me in my dreams tonight after talking about him on this episode i love him hey nika you did a great job talking about talking about me on your mistakes podcast Mm -hmm. super flattering (laughs) (laughs) now let's fuck uh, um yeah well thank you for sharing that story um of course i do feel uh i feel a kinship with anybody who is uh self-destructive so i do <laughs> i'm i'm heeding his warning and i'm gonna you know 
go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. Yeah. So apparently mediums across the country say that he has not crossed over to this day. Because Okay, he, now that's something. They didn't well the doctors didn't tell him he was gonna die. So yeah. he didn't know. So yeah, so apparently he still haunts. Apparently you can see him walking his dog um around where? LA where Ooh. he lived in, in the canyon, but whatever Beverly Hills used to be like something canyon where all the early celebrities lived. Um apparently he pops up to mediums like randomly. And we'll be like, am I dead? And they're like, yeah, you're dead. But he just like will <laughs> He's not like, la, 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 la. Yeah. All right, bye. Next one. Am I dead? Um, weirdly enough, he has not come to me, even though I have photos of him in my bedroom um, and talk about him all wow. the time. Part of the problem, Nika. I dated someone because they had the same birthday and I was sure that um, he was the reincarnation of Rudolph Valentino, but. He wasn't. <laughs> he maybe is. I don't know. You're literally like, you're like, Ugh, it was terrible the way that his, his fame haunted him and how much he hated it. <laughs> anyway, I have photos of him up in my bedroom and I am obsessed with him. But in like a respectful, tasteful way. Like I read his biography. I, okay. <laughs> you fine. know, it's We're just, like. You're just spreading his fame further on our enormous platform that we have here. And I it's fine. Know, but I'm in love with him. And I mean, it's, there's just so much. He's from the same region of Italy as my grandfather. Ooh, like, maybe you guys are related. Oh, I hope not. Ooh, that'd be so hot. Okay, uh, that's it. That's our, that's our podcast. Um, write us a listener mistake at bestmistakespod at gmail.com. Um, follow us at bestmistakespod on everything. And see you next week. Love you. Bye.